Hi there, friends. Before we get today's episode started, we just wanted to share a content warning for emotional abuse, disordered eating, and just generally uh, some sad stuff. So if you're having a gray day, maybe skip this one for now. That's okay. We look forward to talking to you next time. Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to this podcast, Doesn't Exist. We're two best friends and we want answers. Ooh, why haven't we been saying that this whole time? But we're not going to get any. (laughs) Well, we want them though. We want them though. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Correct. Yeah, that's it. That's the end. No. It's a Tuesday. (laughs) No, don't tell them that. Don't, Why? Don't show them any of this. Don't show them any secrets. This is the behind the scenes. We're just recording on a different day, so it makes things a little like We worked wonky. a full work day today. Yeah, like really full work day. We did it. And then I drove to Maryland. It's a long way for you. I mean, from my job, yeah. Yeah. It was a pleasant like hour, six minute I'm so I'm so grateful for you. (laughs) Uh, It's okay. And guess who else we're grateful for? You all, the listeners. And we'll be even more grateful if you like us. I mean, we hope you like (laughs) us in general, but like, like our posts and our pages, follow our pages. And Emma, where can they find all of the places to validate us? This podcast doesn't exist dot com dot com. If you have anything you'd like to tell us, you can write stuff into us too. The website has a little button that says write in and you can head on over there and send us whatever spooky story, whatever conspiracy is your favorite. Thank you, Christian, today for just texting me your diner order. It made me very happy. <laughs> but yeah, let us know all about you. We want to know about you guys. Did we have any other housekeeping? You can play our bingo card. It's on our website too. Yeah, and it's one of the, it's the new one. The new. The updated. Improved. So it has Zach Bagans on it. You know, we're constantly evolving. Yeah. I was going to say, like the earth, which is not flat. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth, for straightening that out for us. <laughs> or did they? Episode 13? Dude, I don't know. I was literally, I was looking through all of our episodes today to like, yeah track what our episode names have been because i wanted to remind myself of how funny we are and i think it's episode 13 that ruth is on because it's something about speculation station ah so i think it's number 13 nice no number 13 is denver airport oh that's what it is solid i was happy about the fact that it was something that like it made sense with so nice yeah i don't know evolving i don't know like a pokemon I never played Pokemon. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was going to ask you a follow-up question, but it doesn't matter now. About Pokemon. Yeah. So instead, listeners, you can text, DM, write in, what which starter Pokemon did you always choose? I always chose the fire Pokemon because I am here for instant gratification. And it's mostly grass Pokemon when you first leave your little town at the beginning of the game. So if you have a fire type, you just slay at Ooh, the beginning. That's cool. You just win. But you know. You're also an Aries, so that makes sense. Fire. Yeah. I like it. As a Gemini, I'm just air. 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 Alright. I don't know what we're doing. I, <laughs> I don't either. I'm it, just talking. In to my you. notes I wrote segue question mark question mark. Nah. Hoping it would just like naturally sometimes it naturally I can make yeah, it happen. You're very good at them, but this um, time I don't know if I've set you up at it at all. Well, no, I, I mean I don't know her astrological sign, so I'm just gonna jump right in. Yay for Britney Spears. She's out <gasps> here living her best life. Woo. Posting Spicy Instagram pictures, both in terms of her 
Pisotos so. are spicy, and we love that for her. She's loving her bade, but also spicy in terms of, like, she calls out her sister in, like, multi-paragraph <laughs> things and then, like, deletes them, but everyone takes screenshots. Of course. It's dramatic. But we love that for her. We freed Brittany. Well, Brittany freed herself, but we were highly in favor of her doing so. And yesterday, well, I suppose it might have been day before yesterday because <laughs> I wrote this last night, um, but I read an article that Amanda Bynes has scheduled the first hearing, it's on my birthday, by the way, to have her conservatorship lifted. Ooh. And I just love that for her. That like, is very exciting. And, uh, and in her case, it seems that her parents are supportive of that. That's versus good. that was not as much the case with Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, but it just got me thinking about how young women are treated in terms of celebrity culture. Not great. Spoiler alert. But this leads me to today's topic, which is the mysterious death of actress Brittany Murphy. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm going to cry through, like, half of this. The day that I found out that she had passed, I was, like, maybe 12. I don't remember. But (laughs) I was was younger. We'll figure out the timeline We'll figure out the timeline a little bit. (laughs) But I was younger. And my mom was, like, reading the news on the internet. And she was scrolling through stuff. And I had, like, come up behind her. So, of course, it's one of those huge monitors. Mm -hmm. And I saw Brittany Murphy's picture. And I had, like... I had watched Uptown Girls. There's this really good movie called Ramen Girl that she's in. And, of course, like, Clueless, which is one of my very favorite movies. And I I loved her. I absolutely loved her. still love her. She was a wonderful actress. When Mom told me that she had passed away, I started crying because I didn't know what to do. It was, like, her, and then a couple years later it was Steve Irwin. And those were, like, things where those are the people somehow, I don't know them, but they impacted me. Mm-hmm. And so it just makes you, oh, makes you cry. I love this. I'm so excited. Also, March is Women's History Month. It is. So good choices all around. Thanks. You're welcome. And this time, I was smart enough to number my chapters. Yeah! So I don't have to keep <laughs> guessing. So chapter one. Woot woot! Early career. The famous actress was born Brittany Ann Bertolotti <laughs> on November 10th, 1977 in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. Her parents, Sharon Kathleen Murphy and Angelo Joseph Bertolotti, Aww. guess which one was Italian? No. They, her, her parents, they got divorced when she was two. So Brittany moved with her mom and spent much of her childhood in Edison, New Jersey, which feels correct to me. Like, I feel like I didn't know anything about, like, her life, but I was like, that makes sense to me. She's a Jersey girl. She's a Jersey girl. By, yeah, you're, you're not, like, you're barely a person before you're two, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Where you, like, start. As a child, Murphy was energetic and loved to sing and dance. Her first acting role came at the tender age of nine when she starred in her school production of the musical Really Rosie. Oh, I have no clue what that is. Me either, but it sounds cute. Prior to her enrolling at Edison High School, the family moved to Los Angeles in 1991 so that Murphy could pursue an acting career at the age of 13. So young. After they arrived in L.A., she quickly began booking small roles in sitcoms like Sister, Sister and Boy Meets World. Yes, I remember seeing her on those. Good times. Yeah, Sister, Sister is the best. Sister, sister, don't know how much I missed ya. All right. Her star really shot to fame with her second feature film role as Ty in the 1995 fan favorite, Clueless. One of the best movies ever. In my roster of movies, that's one of the best. Though she found success with the popular film, success brought with it immense amounts of pressure for the young actress. In the period after the premiere of Clueless, at the start of the 2000s, Murphy lost quite a bit of weight and dyed her hair blonde. 
When asked about her physical transformation, she reportedly said that a casting agent for the film Coyote Ugly had described her as, quote, huggable, but not And then I have a little paragraph from Slate. Despite the consequences of her weight loss, it appeared to work. By the early aughts, not long after Murphy's physical changes, she had cemented her status as an it girl for leading roles in Eight Mile, Uptown Girls, Just Married, and Girl Interrupted. Oh, I forgot she was in that. She attended red carpet premieres and sat front row at fashion shows. She hosted Saturday Night Live. Roger Ebert raved about her in a 2004 review of her movie Little Black Book praising her for her comedic timing and naturalism, even comparing her brand of screwball comedy to that of legend Lucille Ball. Oh. So, like, people loved her. Yeah, she really was America's sweetheart for, like, the longest time. And she, in multiple pieces, they talked about how she could go from comedy to drama. Yeah, like, Girl Interrupted, I completely forgot she was in that movie because she's a completely different person in that movie than she is in, like, Little Black Book or in Clueless or anything like that. Murphy made it to Broadway in 1997, playing Catherine in a revival of Arthur Miller's A View from the Bridge, opposite veteran actors Anthony LaPaglia and Allison Janney. Whoa, that's so cool. My queen. And that play is dramatic. Yeah. It is dark. Well, it's an Arthur Miller. Ugh. It is a lot. The ilk is for the amount of drama. Like, it's just, it, it's hard to watch sometimes. Oh, yeah. The actress even shared her talents as a musician, though she mostly preferred to stick to the background. My singing voice isn't like my speaking voice. I've just always kept it a secret and never taken credit because I wanted to learn how to work behind the microphone in a recording studio. And some of the singers don't even know it was me recording on their albums, unquote. Cool. She was in a band called Blessed Soul with fellow actor Eric Balfour in the early 1990s, peaking in 2006 with a song that became a club hit and a number one on Billboard's Hot Dance Club play chart. Was it Sheets of Egyptian Cotton? Na, 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 na. No. <laughs> Everybody knows he stole that song from her. He so totally stole that song. Jeez. Go watch Uptown Girls. Yeah. Perhaps most notably in terms of her music, she provided both the speaking and singing voice for the penguin Gloria in the 2006 animated feature Happy Feet. Oh! In which she covered Queen's Somebody to Love and Earth, Wind, and Fire's Boogie Wonderland. Oh, I didn't know that. I couldn't get through Happy Feet because it was so long. Yeah, and apparently she really loved it. She There's a quote where she basically was like, out of all the characters I've played, Gloria is the most like me, and that's funny because she's a penguin. That's so cute! <laughs> Chapter 2. Losing the Sparkle. Oh. Murphy also voiced the character Luann Platter on Fox's animated sitcom King of the Hill for the entirety of the show's run from 1997 to 2009, and she also vo- voiced the character Joseph Gribble until the fifth season. Kathy Najimi, her King of the Hill co-star, recalls Murphy saying, quote, That's what I've been told. If I want to be considered a leading lady, I have to lose a lot of weight. Unquote. Oh, that's so sad because Kathy Najimi is one of the sisters from uh, Hocus Pocus. Oh. She's not Sarah. Mary. Mary. She's Mary. And the fact that she has heard someone like Brittany Murphy say that, who's already a very skinny person. Ugh, I can't imagine having that kind of body dysmorphia. Yeah. And it's not even on her. Like, it's on everybody else around her that is putting this on her. Yeah. Although she kept her role on King of the Hill until the end of the series in 2009, Murphy's roles began trending away from high-profile pieces and more towards straight-to-DVD slasher films. Her drastic weight loss and continued disordered eating were viewed as a bit of an open secret in the brutal limelight of the early 2000s Hollywood film and TV sets. 
In addition to her weight and appearance, Murphy's personal life was also placed under a hypercritical microscope. Though she received praise for her performances in Eight Mile and Just Married, she also received attention for her dating of the film's male leads, rapper Eminem and prankster Ashton Kutcher, respectively. Shortly after the Just Married co-stars began dating, Howard Stern told Ashton Kutcher on the air during the Howard Stern show, quote, Can you believe she was the ugly chick in Clueless? She was a fat, ugly chick. She transformed herself. He goes on. (laughs) Sorry. He goes on to make some disgusting comments disparaging the young actress for her prior relationship with Eminem and others, saying that she'd, quote, been around the block a few times, among other things. And it just drives me up a wall because even though she changed her body to like get hot quote unquote to meet Hollywood standard even once she did that she's create critiqued for like the attention that being hot got her yeah and it's just a lose-lose situation it yeah there's no there's nothing that she can do to win at all no no matter what she does she will always be criticized and like it's Howard Stern yeah you like crinkly raisin of an old man (laughs) like what yeah, it's it's disgusting. It's and apparently, like apparently, Ashton Kutcher tried to like stand up for her, but still, the fact that he felt comfortable and Howard Stern felt comfortable saying those things to her boyfriend, to be like, well, well you know, she was with Eminem, so. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, after dating Kutcher in two thousand two. The actress had a tumultuous personal life, with much of it displayed and critiqued within the public eye. She was once engaged to talent manager Jeff K. I can't pronounce his last name. His name's Jeff, but that didn't last very long. She then became engaged to Joe Macaluso in December 2005. He was a production assistant that she met while working on the film Little Black Book. But in August of 2006, they ended their engagement as well. Which brings us to chapter three, Sketch Vibes. Ugh. Enter British screenwriter Simon Monjack. The pair reportedly met at some point during 2006. In April of 2007, They married in a private Jewish ceremony at their Los Angeles home, despite a failed intervention by the actress's friends to look into the man's criminal history. Uh, oh no, I forgot about all this. (laughs) All this being the majority of the rest of the podcast. Yeah, the majority of the story. I just remember it being really sad and not wanting to look into it, and then I listened to a podcast about it, like, ages ago so i don't remember like any of it (laughs) yeah and it should also be noted that like britney murphy and her mom were incredibly close like her whole life and she and her mom both would like not listen when her friends tried to have this intervention so so sad though because it's like yeah my mom has my back yeah on my decisions in my life but that doesn't mean that your mom is right yeah it was eventually discovered that Monjack was a fraud, with legal issues following him all around the country. His claims about being a billionaire and coming from a wealthy family were all lies. Those who knew him recall the outlandish lies he would tell people, like that he was the world's largest collector of Vermeer paintings, and that he had dated Elle McPherson and, McDo- and Madonna. He apparently frequently lied about having had terminal brain cancer okay. and being saved by an experimental shark fin treatment. No, thank you. You lie about having can Like, you can lie about Vermeers and about dating Madonna. Like, those things are like, you know, whatever. You lie about having cancer. You're just, ma- you're, you're manipulating everybody's emotions around you for pity so that you can have any kind of attention. You are disgusting. The couple did not announce their engagement beforehand and rarely made public appearances together before their marriage. Monjack was, to put it plainly, bad news. Yeah. 
He quickly insinuated himself into Murphy's life, both personally and professionally. And then we have a quote from The Cut. According to Kathy Najimi's account, Murphy was at a low point when Monjack entered her life in 2007, two years before she died. It's not clear if she was yet abusing prescription pills, but the rumors had started and the press had become fixated on her weight loss. She was muddled and desperate, Najimi says, and, quote, became prey to things that she thought would help her. She fired her entire team when they expressed concern about Monjack, instating him, instating himself, really, as her agent, manager, lawyer, and eventually even makeup artist. He took over her, her financial decisions and drove her everywhere. Friends say she changed her phone numbers, making it impossible for anyone to reach her without going through her husband. Monjack also appears to have had serious drug abuse problems, and according to directors, both of them would show up to movie sets clearly high, unquote. Oh, uh, wait. So he was her lawyer and makeup artist? Mm-hmm. Because then he could insist that he had to be on set with her because he was doing uh, her makeup. What, did he, was he a lawyer? Did he practice law? <laughs> did he know how to do makeup? He's got a really good smoky eye, but he can't give a defense for crap. <laughs> Unclear. Oh my gosh. She'd spend all her breaks during filming in Monjack's car and even reached a point where she refused any type of intimacy on screen out of loyalty to her husband. Oh, this is so scary. Like that part, that last part, you can do whatever you want, or you whatever you feel comfortable with, but the, the part that you're, or the, the fact that you have gotten to the point where you are taking breaks in your husband in your car so that you don't have to talk to anybody else that nobody else can talk to you that's terrifying yeah this is so manipulative i hate it monjack was also hiding two children in europe what oh my gosh this is a twist i did not expect <laughs> A teenager whom he had been putting through private school with Brittany Murphy's money. Oh my gosh. And a younger child in France. I'm assuming different moms? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did she... I, she didn't know about them? Mm-mm. Never. Yeah. Ah! And one of his exes describes, like, he did the same thing to her. Like, <gasps> cutting her off from her friends and trying to control everything about her that's so scary yeah oh that's so sad too sorry guys can't all be talking mongoose mongoose honestly i was like i can't top that so i'm (laughs) I'm, I'm not trying to be funny this episode because how do we top jeff the mongoose how oh i appreciate that that's high praise thanks (laughs) Uh, whatever we had going last week, we need to bottle that. Yep. Start selling it. No, it's all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Murphy's erratic behavior on sets, including the mangling of her lines, in addition to her controlling husband's presence, only hastened the decline of her acting career. And this is a quote from Slate. Quote, all of this led to Murphy becoming an easy punching bag for rabid gossip mongers who profited off of young women's pain as the aughts continued on. Earlier in 2009, the year Murphy died, the snarky commentator Perez Hilton predicted that the actress would meet a tragic end sometime in the next 12 months, less a clarion call to get her help and more a way to further mock her. That's so Unquote. sad. Yeah. Perez Hilton, oh, get he... out of here. So gross. I feel like he was like the Shane Dawson of his time. Yeah. I mean, like Shane Dawson was out there doing his thing. But that was but his it was early like, years. It was problematic in a different way than he's problematic now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know much about all of that. I got out of YouTube real, real quick. Yeah, I... I don't watch any of the people involved's videos, but I watch like the 10 minute 
like spill the tea <laughs> summary because I'm like I want to know what's happening. And then You'll I'm like have to send those. To I'm me like, all right, that's know. enough. Murphy and her new husband were also incredibly reclusive, primarily staying inside together in the home they shared with Murphy's mother, Sharon. Apparently, in the middle of the night, and likely under the influence of some sort of drugs, Mm. Monjack would do photo shoots where he'd dress Murphy like a doll and encourage her to become addicted to plastic surgery. This guy the woman. sounds like, I'm so sorry, this guy sounds like a serial killer. The woman was too stunned to speak. This is, he sounds like a serial killer in the making. Wow. This is terrifying. Yeah. Murphy was reportedly hypnotized by him. Ugh. Which I'm like, why? He's not, he doesn't Sorry, seem... sir, you're not that attractive. Well, like, looks are in everything, but also, like, he's not anything to write home about yeah in my opinion same different strokes for different folks but still like i i think one of the major issues though is that because abuse especially emotional abuse can be so subtle you become used to being manipulated to a point where it doesn't seem abnormal Mm -hmm. and then it's just, you know, that's who he is and this is what will make him happy because if he's sad, then I'm sad and, you know, I won't, you know, feel safe. But you don't acknowledge that to yourself. You don't acknowledge that to anybody else. You just, you know, try and make him happy. Hope that it works. Yeah. And it's really scary. But you, you for the most part, people who are being abused emotionally especially don't often recognize it until it's honestly almost too late yeah well and it's especially hard when you're not seeing anybody else yeah when you're cut off from everyone you changed your phone and your email no one can reach you and you're already somebody who is so used to being in the spotlight i'm sure having just the ability to retreat from it and feel like you're getting good attention from one person or two people if you include her mom then you're you feel like you're starting to feel better about yourself like they're they love you for you kind of thing Mm -hmm. even when they're telling you maybe you should get plastic surgery and stuff like that yeah well it's like if they say anything negative about your body it's not the first time you've heard it yeah because it's all that people talk about and it might feel more affirmed because they're the people who claim to know you best who actually know you yeah yeah so some scary stuff yeah um as i previously mentioned Brittany murphy's last later film credits are primarily straight to video low budget slasher flicks Mm -hmm. the last set she worked on for a horror movie called the caller fired her two days into shooting after monjack reportedly got into an altercation with someone on set in puerto rico her husband would later claim that she left the project due to creative differences, disappointed that the film was more of a slasher horror flick than the thriller Murphy was initially led to believe. Chapter 4. Tragedy Strikes. After her dismissal from The Caller, the couple opted to stay in Puerto Rico for eight more days along with Murphy's mother, who had accompanied them on location. Upon their return to L.A., Murphy, her mother, and Monjack all came down with what they called flu-like symptoms. According to the coroner, they treated themselves with over-the-counter medications, and though Murphy's condition did not improve, no one took her to get medical attention. Mm, So frustrating. Then, in the early morning of December 20th, 2009, Brittany Murphy collapsed on the balcony of her hollywood hills mansion quote she was lying on the patio trying to catch her breath her mother recalled i said baby get up she said mommy i can't catch my breath help me help me because murphy had been sick for six weeks at this point and because as her mother claimed she had a flair for the dramatic 
Her cries weren't taken seriously. Had a flair for the dramatic. She's sick for six weeks. You're her mom. Oh, my God. Monjack remembered that she said to her mom, quote, I'm dying. I'm going to die. Mommy, I love you. Hours later, Murphy collapsed for the second and final time in her bathroom. She was rushed to Cedar sinai Medical Center, where she was pronounced dead at only 32 years old. The Los Angeles County Coroner's Office, in a report issued February 2010, said that the manner of death was accidental and that the cause of death was pneumonia, with secondary factors of severe iron deficiency anemia and multiple drug intoxication. The coroner found a range of over-the-counter and prescription medications in Murphy's system, with the most likely reason being to treat a cold or respiratory infection. According to another source, on the day of her death, she had reportedly taken a cocktail of drugs, including the antibiotic biaxin, migraine pills, cough medicine, the antidepressant Prozac, a beta blocker she got from her husband, and a few over-the-counter meds for period cramps and nasal discomfort. In January 2010, Murphy's husband and mother claimed that she did not use drugs or alcohol, and the former did not cause her death. Instead, they attributed this to a heart condition, mitral valve prolapse. Though no illegal drugs were found in her system during the autopsy, it should be noted that nearly 90 prescription pill bottles were found on Murphy's bedside table following her death, some of which were issued to false names. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, so even though, like, because there were rumors that she had, like, a cocaine problem because she was so skinny, but technically everything she consumed was legal. It just didn't interact well. It's like the, whatever the uh, coroner said about what killed Elvis, the like cocktail of stuff, whatever mm-hmm. that's the, the overdose almost of the interaction of all those drugs is called. Mm-hmm. Something similar, I'm sure. Multiple drug intoxication. Brittany Murphy was laid to rest on December 24th, 2009 at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Hollywood Hills. 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 And now for a clickbait, clickbait, a clickbait moment. You won't believe what happened next. I probably won't. Probably not. You're going to be mad. I'm already mad. Well, you're going to get more mad. Okay. In the weeks that followed, Brittany's mother, Sharon, and husband, Simon, remained living together and made a very odd appearance on Larry King Live in which Simon expressed the needlessness of an autopsy in Brittany's case. They also announced plans to start a foundation in Murphy's honor. Great. Okay, that sounds normal. Yes. Their way of raising funds for it? To charge for attendance to Brittany's memorial service. Oh my gosh. Hashtag yikes. Big yikes. Yeah. That ended up not working out, and any donations were refunded. Good. And the Wikipedia page goes, there's, like, a whole section about how the foundation, according to various, like, watch agencies for nonprofits, like, it went defunct for a while, and then her dad, like, brought it back, but it's been basically dead since, like, 2013 or something, which is unfortunate. That is unfortunate, especially since it was something you were supposed to be doing in her honor. Yeah. Monjack and Sharon did what one of the talking heads described as a creepy photo shoot following Murphy's death. It made them appear as if they were her parents and not mother and son-in-law. It's sketchy. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Even more creepily, in my opinion, there were reports that Monjack and Sharon would share a bed Following Britney's death. Ew, what is happening? What is wrong with these people? I, okay, first of all, I was, I was rooting for her mom for a little bit, and then I got mad about the collapsing thing and, like, she's overdramatic, whatever. This is disgusting, Sharon. 
I'm staring down my microphone as if Sharon's right here. Yeah. You, uh, mm-hmm. You're doing I'm that. mad. You were right. Yeah. It was hard for the public to avert their eyes and not come up with conspiracies like an affair between the two or a plot to get rid of Murphy. Or, perhaps, for Sharon Murphy to walk away with everything. <gasps> Just five months after Murphy's tragic loss, her husband Simon Monjack was found dead on May 23rd in the very same bathroom and of the exact same cause, pneumonia compounded by anemia. Sharon, you're the serial killer. It's you. It's you, Mama. It's you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I completely forgot that he passed. Right? Oh my gosh. And he was just 39. I don't know if I said that. He was but 39. That's, I mean, still too young, but yeah. Yeah. Chapter 5. Conspiracy! Woo! The first one on the docket is Toxic Mold. I remember this theory. <laughs> the fact that both Murphy and Monjack grew ill and died within the same home led to rumors that their Hollywood mansion was full of black mold. Ew. Yeah. Mold can cause pneumonia, but such a phenomenon is uncommon. Yeah. Also, why wasn't Sharon affected? Because she lived there full time, too. Okay, but it's a mansion, so maybe it was only in like their bedroom. part of their their part of the house, and this bathroom specifically. Apparently, Brittany Murphy would spend a lot of time in there. It was like her little oasis. Like she would play with makeup and hair, and like read magazines and stuff. Which I'm like, wow, yeah, the early 2000s yeah. magazines were totally a form of entertainment. <laughs> magazines. I can't remember the last time I picked up a magazine. A J14. A, a tiger. Tiger beat. beat. <laughs> I can tell you the last time I bought a magazine. Oh? It was it was like a time special edition about the Titanic. Of course it was. Uh, I was in line at Harris Teeter and I am a weak soul. That's okay. That it it's it doesn't surprise me. I am not mad at you. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm not mad at you. Thanks. <laughs> Great. Oh, well, we did get some new magazines, though, from we did. the Bone Shaman. From Dr. Dad. From Dr. Dad. He, luckily, he he had two. One of them was uh, popular science um, and, like, why we believe in ghosts and what they might be. And the other was, like, uh, one of those compilation magazines that's, like, the scariest places on Earth. places. And he had come in and I to like the room I was in and I was the only person in there. And he was like, oh, so I found a magazine for you and Shannon. I was going to leave it on one of your beds, but here, I'll just hand it to you. And I'm like, I'm really glad that you handed this scary, spooky one to me. Because if you had left this on Shannon's bed, she would have closed the door and run away. <laughs> like she would have been like, no. Honestly, I would have come yelled. I would have come to yell at you because I would have yeah. assumed you <laughs> left it there trying to be funny. I would have been like. And I would have been like, I'm so, I've never seen that before. I'm not, I'm not lying. <laughs> and then like, you would have run away. And we'd be like, Liam, was it you? <laughs> he wouldn't, he wasn't home yet. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. Oh, well then, yeah, it was a ghost. <laughs> the ghost of the bone shaman. No. No. <laughs> he would be the ghost host. Oh, yeah. Come, would you like some tea? Would you like some cheese? Would you like... A toast? Would you? Would you? I can make you an entire omelet. Would you like that? <laughs> I just do it by knocking the eggs off the shelf and into the pan. Someone has to turn the heat on, though. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Uh, right. But back to the toxic mold theory. Sharon Murphy called this toxic mold theory absurd. Oh, well, I'm glad you're on board, serial killer. According to People Magazine in 2010. Quote, I have never been personally asked by the coroner or anyone from the health department to come and inspect my home for mold, she told the outlet. Roger Neal, a spokesperson for the family, told People in 2010 that the home was inspected in 2009 because of a leak issue. During that inspection, mold was not discovered. 
Oh, well, I mean, I'm assuming this was like earlier in 2009 before yeah. Britney passed. In December 2011, however, Sharon Murphy changed her stance, announcing that toxic mold was indeed what killed her daughter and son-in-law, and she filed a lawsuit against the attorneys who represented her in an earlier suit against the builders of the home where her daughter and son-in-law died. So she was like, yeah, mold. Full 180. Mold in the home... Sorry. <laughs> Just whispering. He's quite done. <laughs> Mold in the home or not, Dr. Lisa Shinen, a retired coroner who conducted Brittany's autopsy, is on the record as saying, quote, I know there were rumors that toxic mold may have played a role in Brittany's death and possibly the death of her husband. But in my autopsy, I didn't see any evidence of mold on her lungs or other organs. Yeah, because it happens in like spores that you inhale. Basically. Yeah, you become a host. Yeah. Terrifying. <gasps> mold is aliens. Aliens are mold. <laughs> Just straight out your chest. Yeah, I've, I've never seen that movie. And I have I only seen that scene. To. No, I think I like rode the ride at Universal. That would make sense to and me. And was like, that is quite enough. Yeah, I walked into the room while the Bone Shaman was watching it, and it was that scene. Um, yeah, and I left pretty quick. You know, I, I hear, um, what's her name? Sigourney Weaver. Is amazing in it, She's, and I will yeah. take everyone's word for it. I say, I suggest that instead of watching Alien, you watch Galaxy Quest, because Sigourney Weaver's also in that, but so is Alan Rickman. Oh, nice. And I love him. Except for a Snape. Um, who else is in that? Tim Allen. Buzz Lightyear. And the guy who plays Monk. Tony Shalhoub. Shalhoub. I was like, I was like, Buscemi. No. No. The other one. <laughs> the other one. Uh, Tony It's a great movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, now we're going to talk about the poison. The poison for Cusco. The Cusco's poison. Yeah. Except not for Cusco. Remember Brittany Murphy's dad, whose last name I can't pronounce? Yeah, him, Angelo. He's Brittany Murphy's estranged father. He told Good Morning America that he believes his daughter was intentionally poisoned, stating, quote, I have a feeling that there was a definite murder situation here, unquote. Murder situation? A definite murder situation. I like murder situation as a band name. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I call it. Okay. Thanks. Might I suggest that every title of a song is like, that's a little gauche. I was going to be like, the name of a murder. Oh. It'd be like, JFK. I'd do Serial Killers probably for oh. first album. But like, you don't want to give them, I feel like that's what the whole thing about that's true fair. crime, right? It yeah, all boils down wanna... to like, we don't want to glorify it. Yeah. I read an interesting article. That's fair. In, I want to say Vox maybe. Um, sounds like something they would write. It was called, it, the, the name of the article was, um, the, my favorite murder problem. And it's talking yeah. about how true crime has exploded as a genre, but it's primarily popular with like white women mm-hmm. and hi. hi, that's us. But just like, go read the article. I'm not going to cliff notes it and give you the really unnuanced, barely remembered version, but it's something I think I've been kind of experiencing over the last like year or two of like i don't really consume that much content that's true crime anymore like if i am consuming true crime like documentaries and stuff it's like the tinder swindler or the art heist the lighter stuff like i love a i love a con yep or like a fire festival oh my gosh It's so good. But then, but like nobody got hurt at Fire Festival, right? No, it was so just like, a lot of rich people losing rich, their money, yeah. which is just, oh, the schadenfreude is so good. But yeah, so anyway, to reflect on that in your life. Yeah. I think that's part of the other reason that I don't typically do. I feel like in general, we haven't done a lot of like unsolved murders. No. You do a lot of missing people or like a fire happened and we don't know. Or like with the Amityville Horror House, like a murder took place and then 
the story is more about the haunting than it is about right. the murder. Yeah. I've also been thinking about this a lot because there it I do consume a lot more true crime. Every time content, I get in Emma's car, it's always like you do. they stabbed them a hundred times. Yeah. You're like, whoa, okay. I consume I consume a lot of the true crime and paranormal stuff because yeah. I find it interesting to listen to, but it's also easy background listening for me, and that can be a real issue. You are the meme. That's like, I am. That's like I just want something light to fall asleep to. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kidnapped them and took them in a van. And you're just like, hmm. Choo, choo. Um, <laughs> that is me. That is me. I don't know what it is, um, but there is a... Dis- and I've noticed this for some of the true crime podcasts that I listen to, specifically the ones that are like fairly new, mm-hmm. that they are trying really hard to make it so that Either the episode name or the majority of the sources that they are pulling from are not glorifying the person who committed Mm -hmm. any of the crimes. What they're trying to do is highlight the victims and the victims' stories specifically. So rather than going deep into, you know, this is... Ted Bundy's. Ted Bundy's background and this is all like everything and then he killed three people and then we move on like it's it's more about we're going to focus on the women that he assaulted and murdered and you know who were the actual victims of this crime right and identify what makes this so horrific and why we want to know about this mm-hmm. because it's because of them that we do right so it's it's an interesting thing that I'm glad that the true crime community, for the most part, is deconstructing and trying to identify. Yeah, like we don't need to be making movies casting. Like, I do not Zach Efron as Ted Bundy. No, I do not need another movie about a murderer. Yeah. I don't. So there. Um, Although I would like some more uh, cozy English murder mysteries, please. How does it feel being 80 years old? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Me? With my mug from the 80s? Filled yeah. with lukewarm tea? Decaf tea. Yes. <laughs> At least um, I'm not in a hat and <laughs> covered, in, covered in a blanket. That has nothing to do with being old. I just have <laughs> bad circulation. Uh, right. Uh, yes. So, Angelo, there's a murder situation he implied that Britney's mother and or husband were most likely to blame. Um, duh. She wasn't allowed to see anybody else. A lab report that he commissioned in 2013, so separate from the initial autopsy and everything, okay. showed the presence of heavy metals, including lead and barium, in Britney's system when she died. Bruce Goldberger a toxicologist at the University of Florida told ABC News that such lab results don't necessarily mean that a person was poisoned. He said Murphy lacked the lines across her fingernails that are commonly seen in heavy metal poisoning cases. Mm. So if you think you're being poisoned, girlfriend or boyfriend or they them, go get a manicure and check it out. Check out your nails. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that, that was our poison prevention. <laughs> life hack. <laughs> Anti-death hack. It was determined, however, that the metals came from hairsprays or dyes because of Murphy changing her hairstyle so many times. That makes sense. Especially if she wasn't really working in yeah. film. She could do whatever she wanted, whenever. And you said her bathroom was like her oasis, so of course it's going to be like, what can I do while I'm in here? I'll do my hair so I can sit here for like three hours while it, you know. Flip through. Bleaches. Vanity Fair or whatever. And this was determined by Dr. Cyril Wetch. So sorry, Doc. But Dr. Wetch had been hired by Murphy's father. Wetch's conclusion was backed up by Shinin, who was the coroner, yeah. who determined that there was no evidence for poisoning. Okay. 
There was also a bizarre conspiracy theory that Brittany Murphy was targeted by the government due to her friendship with a Hollywood filmmaker and whistleblower. Emma's eyebrow just went up. Just the one, though. <laughs> it's the only one I can raise. <laughs> Visual bit. Sorry. <laughs> this rumor was supported by the allegation that Monjack had become paranoid in the months leading up to his wife's death. According to an excerpt in The Hollywood Reporter from a book written by Murphy's longtime family friend, Monjack believed that he and Murphy were being watched and even installed 56 cameras across their property. Monjack also reportedly installed a scrambling device to prevent their phone conversations from being wiretapped. Totally normal. Yeah, I hate mm. But the only confirmed connection between the alleged whistleblower and Brittany Murphy was a letter that the whistleblower sent to her publicist asking for public support in the case, which the publicist politely declined. Uh, There's a part of this where I'm like, okay, if you were being watched, if you were being targeted, all of this, I'm so sorry. But there's another part of this where he is a manipulative person who is basically controlling Brittany's life and kind of by proxy her mother's. For sure. Her mother was dependent on Brittany Murphy for all of her income. Because her mother had had breast cancer at different points in her life and, like, her career was basically to support Brittany. Yeah, taking care of her. Yeah. But because of that... It also makes me think, well, he's a horrible person. Usually, horrible and crazy go together. Not crazy, but like, you know. Unstable, Unstable. And so it's not, it doesn't feel far-fetched to say that he was paranoid for no reason. Yeah. Because cutting off his wife from everybody that she knows might have been a tactic to, you know, stop whoever was trying to contact her to destroy... I don't know. I I, I, I don't know. But it, it, he's just... Ugh. That's what he is. Well, he's dead now. I so. know. And I am sorry for that. Especially if he was murdered. Um, but still, obviously a very abusive person. Yeah, not great. In conclusion, the most prevalent and relevant theory, however, is perhaps the most sad. After reaching puberty within the public eye of Hollywood, Brittany Murphy suffered from severe anorexia. And rather than receive support at home, Murphy faced further criticism from her husband, Monjack, who reportedly encouraged her throughout their marriage to get plastic surgery and lose even more weight. This consistent poor health led to severe anemia and left the actress incredibly weak. Unable to fight off illness and left unattended by medical professionals, Murphy met her untimely end within shouting distance of her loved ones. Despite the internet sleuth's distrust of Murphy's husband, the police did not investigate him for murder and found no evidence of foul play. And I'm assuming because she was a a full adult that wasn't under any sort of conservatorship, they it's not like they could be like, oh, well, neglect is yeah. why. Versus, you know, if she had been like a child that died of this pneumonia compounded by all these drugs. Oh, yeah. They could have been like, well, you were, there, you were her caretaker. But legally, she was fine, even though anyone who encountered her on set was like, she's not well. She's not herself. She's... Yeah. But so... He was never investigated, and then he died, so I think most people think that he's innocent, at least of murder. Those closest to Murphy before she met and married Monjack do hold him responsible for her downfall in the years leading up to her untimely death. Following Monjack's death, Sharon Murphy asked her publicist to pawn jewelry that Monjack had given Brittany, including a replica of Audrey Hepburn's tiara in Breakfast at Tiffany's, 
so that she, Sharon, could pay her bills. Sharon's publicist, Roger Neal, had the items appraised by two of his high-end clients in the jewelry business, only for them to tell him that all of it was fake and worthless, leaving Sharon essentially destitute. That's also just so sad to think that, like, she probably believed that they were real and that Monjack was able, like, because he had been lying to her about everything, basically, and that he had been able to find some beautiful thing to give her. No. Um, all told, Monjack spent an estimated $3 million of Brittany Murphy's money over the period of just three years. Oh my gosh, that's a million a year! Quote, he lived off this girl who had worked her heart out for every penny she had. Quote, unquote, a former associate says. And I none of the sources went super into it, but I almost wonder... Like, if Sharon is sketchy Mm -hmm. and is to blame, maybe maybe she and the husband were in on it together, but then she decided, oh, wait, I am not going to have any money now, so I'm going to kill him, too. And then, because it was very clear in all the sources that it wasn't until after his death that she found out that he had been conning Brittany. Not, I mean, yeah, conning but her. Conning like, they her. were married, yeah. but, like, you taking all her taking money. Her spending money. all this yeah. money on stuff that's, like, not even real. On, you know, sending one of his child- children to school that she didn't know about. Yeah. A lot of the articles in the show notes um, primarily are focusing on recapping new information that was shared in a two-part docuseries about the actress's passing that's now streaming on HBO. Ooh. Which I didn't have the chance to watch yet. But That's okay. I we will, can watch it. I will go watch it. Um, it delves further into the, the docuseries, delves further into the role of the media, the poor treatment of her husband, and more uh, leading up to her death. Though Brittany's mother does not appear on film, Simon Monjack's family members do make an appearance. Mm. So there's apparently some interesting stuff there. But... I thought I would just end with a quote from Sharon Murphy, Brittany's mom. She was my baby, and we stood together throughout Brittany's life. Now I must stand up for her again. I want my Brittany to be remembered as the darling person she was, for the giant talent she showed the world and left behind in her movie and TV appearances, and for the friendships and loving relationships that really were part of her life. And that so sad. is that, my friends. So sad. Sorry. That's okay. I. It's such a tough one because the answer is probably just abuse mixed with body dysmorphia and anorexia. Just compounding overdose issues. Yeah. Well, because so many of the articles make a point to say, like, if she had gone to a doctor, yeah, she she would still be around probably. Yeah, at least from this pneumonia. Anemia is really, it's annoying, but it's fairly easy to fix because we have iron pills and all of that. And as far as pneumonia goes, like, you get a good round of antibiotics, and yeah, you should be okay. But it's just not having any of that support system that even believes you. Yeah. Like, that's heartbreaking. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. It can't all just be silly, goofy, fun times. Um, But don't worry, because next week, I'm sure, will be more interesting. But we're not going to tell you why (laughs) until next time. And now, Emma. Yeah? I th- I think you have a little something for us. I got a little something, something. Something? Something. We back. Hello. 
Hello. Hello. Um, welcome to Mailbag Moment. Mailbag Moments. Aww. I know you sang something last time, but I don't remember what it is. I don't either. (laughs) I just remember we both questioned if it was authentic or not. Well, I also don't. I don't know if that's original either. (laughs) Hot pockets. Hot pockets. All right. This week, my friends, we have a mailbag moment from not Haley. (gasps) What? We have another friend? We do. None other than the Crypt King. Okay. Question. When you say, can you say it very crisply for me? Crypt King. Okay, cool. Because when you say it quickly, it doesn't always, the T doesn't always come through. So it sounds like you're saying Crypt King. And I'm like, he's not crutchy from (laughs) Newsies. No, he is not. He's a cryptid. He's a cryptid. The cryptid king. The crypt king and not chief archaeologist Tom King. Not the chief archaeologist. What would we do if the chief archaeologist Tom King ever wrote in? I I think I might pass out. I would fall off this chair. Yeah. I would pass out and fall off the chair. Wouldn't that be so fun? That would be amazing. Is he on? He's gonna speak it into existence. Is he? Is he on cameo? (laughs) (laughs) What if he was? He's like out on the island, giant crabs in the background. (laughs) Amazing. I I mean, my birthday is coming up, friends. So if anyone knows Chief Archaeologist Tom King, let us know. But in the meantime, what did our Tom King have to say, Emma? He said, and which I love. He he did. I'll just read it. Okay. (laughs) Dear Shannon and Emma. Hi. Long-term listener and first-time emailer here. Oh. In your recent episode. Guys, this is from (laughs) September 30th, 2021. Okay, we're we're into the fall. Yeah, we're getting closer. This is the Princes in the Tower. In your recent episode concerning the Princes in the Tower, you mentioned that the second child of the reigning monarch is given the title Duke Duchess of York. I thought it appropriate to mention as a resident Brit that the current Duke of York would not be Prince Harry, even if he hadn't hadn't given up his title. The current Duke of York is Prince Andrew. Yes, that Prince Andrew. Even if many among us wish this wasn't the case. (laughs) This might seem like an insignificant detail. However, I figured that Harry, who seems like an all right bloke, would not want to be confused with his disreputable uncle. (laughs) Thank you both for the fantastic podcast. Many laughs and lots of learning is taking place here. Hope you are both well. Best. Tom, the cryptid king. Crypt king? I forget what the title was. He spelled it C-Y-C-R-Y-P-K-I-N-G. He didn't put the T in either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for correcting us. That is so true. I constantly forget that. I forget all of the queen's children. I, I forget because, that she has someone other than Charles. Well, honestly, I Every kind time. of forget Charles, too, because he's so old. <laughs> like, she seems, like, old, yes, but not, like, yeah. ancient. They feel like they are siblings when I, like, mentally think about That's them. so funny. And then I'm like, oh, no, he is the heir. Isn't it wild to think that, you know, knock on wood... Our lives go well and we live a long and prosperous life... We might see three British monarchs in our lifetime. Oh, that's insane. Right? Considering that a very, a a potentially good chunk of people have only ever seen one. Exactly. That's insane. Well, I guess maybe not everyone alive, but. No, my grandmother's the same age as her. The majority of the people on the earth, maybe, Mm. have only known. Queen Elizabeth. But yeah. we might see three. And then but the next two will be kings. Yeah, but monarchs. Yeah. We might not see another queen in our lifetime. Probably not, unless something really bad happens. Kate takes the throne. <laughs> not what I meant. I meant like mass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they well they don't. They don't get on they no. don't all get on planes together. No. It's Although, like, Will and Kate break the rules by having their children fly on the plane with them. Yeah, they've always done that. Because they're like, eh, we're not next, next in line. I did, this is not related to our podcast at all. That's but fine. I did read a whole interesting piece, essay, I don't know, thought situation about how 
um, Camilla will be the queen oh, consort, yeah. consort or whatever well, because, instead of the princess. Because when, cause Queen Elizabeth has already written yeah. the, like, this will be what the handoff of power is. Yeah. And she said that she will be queen consort. Know, that's what I'm which saying. Which is insane. It's, and that's a change because before... I, it went through the whole history of, like, Charles and Camilla and how, like, mm-hmm. I did not realize that they were, like, an item way before yeah, Diana, Diana and everything. And, like, how after Diana passed, like, it was, like, years before the queen even, like, looked at Camilla and was yeah. like, you exist. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, wow. The power. I can't imagine, like, your mom is the queen. And you pull all that kind of crap. Yeah. And she's a big enough person to be like, sure, she can be queen consort. Although I, th- I got the sense that, like, Camilla is actually rather lovely and, like, kind of won everyone over. And I hope Honestly, that's the case. I think it's just Charles that is the trash monster. Oh, he's and, the trash and monster. It, as society, we tend to pin... The women together when in fact it was the man that oh, was yeah. cheating no. on anyway yes this is not a royal podcast but thank you for correcting us tom king yeah. we appreciate you um it's obviously not part of our <laughs> we don't know anything <laughs> it's not part of our world is what i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the rights the mouse is gonna come for us oh, bye now stop <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> yeah we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. We got to go. So remember. This podcast doesn't exist. You didn't like my face? You got very intense. Sorry. We're not camping. Intense. Oh my gosh. <laughs> gotta go. Bye. <laughs>